The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. In this episode, we're going to have some big-time names for you. Tim McCarver stopped by. God, love Tim McCarver. What a great player and a great broadcaster. Then we're going to have Phil Garner, Scrap Iron, former A, came up with the A's, and then, of course, played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He managed for years. And one of, the re- one of the guys that saw Bob Melvin and said, you know what, this guy's going to be a good manager. We're going to check out Phil. He's going to be on his farm. It was a lot of fun. Then Scott Emerson, pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics, checking in with him in the offseason. And then a guy who I think you all know, we talk about him all the time. You see him on MLB Network, used to be on ESPN, does a great job also covering boxing. But as a host on MLB Network, and the host of the show, MLB Now, my favorite show, Brian Kinney, will be with us. But first up, he's a two-time World Series champion, a two-time All-Star, part of the St. Louis Hall of Fame. What a career he had. Tim McCarver catching everybody from Bob Gibson to Steve Carlton and also in the Hall of Fame as a Ford C. Frick Award winner, was a terrific broadcaster. It was great to catch up with Tim McCarver. Well, our next guest here on A's Cast Live is a true baseball legend as a two-time World Series champion, a two-time All-Star. He's in the Cardinals Hall of Fame, one of the great broadcasters we ever had in the game. Tim McCarver is with us. Tim, thank you so much for taking the time, and how are you? Uh, I It's a pleasure, first of all, Chris. I'll catch you. Uh, occasionally, uh, I've got a place in Napa that, uh, that I bought about eight years ago and, uh, love the area and, uh, what a, what a job the A's do continually year in, year out. As far as me personally, I am doing beautifully. Thank you. Well, I can tell you as a guy who's a Ford C Frick award winner and all the great games that you called, we truly miss you on TV. Your insight was second to none. Well, I, I really appreciate that, Chris, but. I kind of hung them up uh, uh, in 2013, and uh, that was my last series, the Cardinals and, and the Red Sox. The Red Sox won that, of course, but um, uh, but I'm doing a few Cardinal games. I do um, 25 to 30 Cardinal games a year, and that kind of keeps me out of trouble. And I think about going into this World Series. The Astros are heavy favorites, but as you know, Pitching is everything in the postseason, and with that pitching that the Washington Nationals have, they definitely have a puncher's chance. There, there is no question about it. Uh, when you have starting pitchers uh, like they do, uh, to me it's three and three. I mean, there are three great starting pitchers for the Astros, three great starting pitchers uh, uh, for, the, uh, for the Nationals, and uh, the Nationals also uh, have their fourth guy who started against the Cardinals and almost pitched a no-hitter for crying out loud. Yeah, there's – I mean, I, I – I, were you shocked? Annabelle Sanchez, the name escaped me there for a while. Annabelle Sanchez yeah. is who I'm talking about. Are, are you shocked that the Astros are such favorites over the Nationals because of their four starters? You know, you know what? I, I think – no. No, I'm not. 
uh, the Astros played about as uh, defiantly perfect game uh, the other night against the Yankees. I mean, what team can come back after the the home run uh, by the uh, by the second baseman? Uh, and uh, a two-run shot to tie it in the ninth inning. What team can come back from that? And they did it behind Altuve. Uh, I hear uh, I hear J.J. Watt, uh, the magnificent uh, tackle for Houston, uh, had an Altuve shirt on yesterday underneath his pad, <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which I think is great. I mean, that town is wild about this team. Uh, I don't think it's a bit uh, a big surprise that they're favored by as much as they are. No. Well, you know, these guys, you know what these guys do, Chris. They, they, they. Nothing is routine that their hitters hit. They every time they're at the plate, uh, it's a special at bat. You get a feeling that they're going to do something to enhance their team. They, they, you talk about a throwback as much as any team. What's refreshing about this Houston team is that uh, they remind you of so many of the great, great teams in, uh, in the past, 50, 60 years ago, the Yankee teams, the dynasties, things like that. That's how good they are. I remember I worked with Ralph Kiner for 16 years in the Mets booth. And I used to ask him about, I said, Jack, what is the, uh, or, or I used to say, Ralph, uh, what is the, uh, the thing you remember most? about Jackie Robinson. And he said, getting out of a rundown. And I thought, That's, that speaks millions because it really, uh, it, 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 uh, it speaks about his ability, uh, his track ability, his running, his stopping and starting and things like that. And uh, what, did the, what did the Astros do the other night? They got a couple of runs on getting out of rundowns or at least uh, getting the most out of rundowns. They're, they're a unique ball club. I haven't seen a team like this in a long, long time. That, that's going to be together for, for quite a while. You know, when I think about a town getting behind a team, you would know as good as anybody as St. Louis and their great relationship with the Cardinals. Just talk about that. what that's like as a player when you truly know the entire town is like raising you up and they're behind you. Yeah, and, it, and it, you know what, Chris? It's always been like that. Uh, I, I signed when I was 17 years old. Things were a little different uh, back in 1959. I signed out of high school, and I, I knew the Cardinals were the favorite team of a lot of uh, people from Memphis. I'm from Memphis, about 290 miles away from, from St. Louis. So I go to St. Louis, and I'm interviewed. I signed with the team. I was a bonus baby and all that sort of stuff. I got interviewed by Harry Carey, everybody's idol, all through the, the Midwest at the time. He was with the Cardinals for 25 years and never even thought of going to Chicago at the time. But um, it, it, was, it was so much fun to be part of that, uh, that team. And, and when I signed, the Cardinals were, were down a little bit uh, back in the late 50s. But it didn't take them long uh, to, to start, you know, uh, answering the bell. And we won tennis in World Series in 64, 67. Then we lost to Detroit in 68. Uh, but it, it's phenomenal the way that town is, is uh, behind the Cardinals, uh, just like the, the Houston, uh, Houston, Texas is behind uh, 
behind the Astros. It's it's really refreshing for baseball, and I think that game the other night drew a little bit of people as far as viewing audiences concerned for the Hall for the uh, uh, for the World Series. Don't you? I mean, oh, it's unbelievable. Oh yeah, I mean it's uh, this is going to be a lot. Both both towns are are so juiced about baseball right now, and you know we they want are. we want to talk to you about because we just had the anniversary of the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake, where of course the A's went up beating the Giants. You were a part of that. What was that like for you as a broadcaster? Well, I'll tell you, Chris, I was on the air. Uh, yeah. Dave Parker, Dave Parker had just missed a home run. Uh, Al Michaels had just thrown it uh, to me, and uh, Dave Parker in game two had played in Oakland, of course, uh, had just missed a home run by inches, and we had that as a rundown, and the minute I started talking, I could feel that train come rumbling through. I'd never been in an earthquake before. Um, the, uh, the funny thing was Jim Palmer's birthday is the 15th of October. Mine's the 16th. This is the 17th, and Al Michaels the night before had taken us to the original Trader Vic's wow. uh, in, in San Francisco. And, uh, and then we had a, a Budweiser meeting on the way to the ballpark the next day and anxious, naturally, for, for a 5 o'clock start. And at 5.04, uh, Al had thrown it to me, and when the train came rumbling through, uh, that I euphem- euphemistically use, uh, Al and I are on the floor, and Jim Palmer's ready to go on the air, and we have no, we have no, uh, uh, we can't, we have no juice. We can't go on the air, and Jim is kind of frozen in time. There, we're all in shock. Um, I remember Johnny Bench and Jack Buck were doing radio in the booth next to us. And I asked uh, JB later, I said, what were you thinking about over there? He was, he said, I was trying to find a place that was safe to jump. And he was serious. He, you know, the, the, uh, the, where the broadcasters are in an old candlestick, uh, it was about an, I guess, an 80 foot drop or something like that into the stands. And John was very, very serious when he said that. Wow. It was scary. It was very, very scary. What can you say? Yeah, but you know what, though? We, we, we just celebrated that 1989 team. Boy, were they special in their Tony LaRusse, all the talent they had. Boy, were they good. I mean, you know, they, they, of course, it was four and out against the Giants, but uh, and only uh, what the two starters, Moore and uh, Dave Stewart, of course. Dave Stewart won two, Moore won two. Uh, but it, it was so exciting for the whole area, the only Bay Area uh, uh, teams that have met in the World Series. But it was it was really uh, it was fascinating, and uh, I'd love to see a World Series similar to that this year. Let's end on this. It drives me nuts, and it's got to drive you nuts. Starting pitchers going five innings, four innings, five <laughs> innings. We need some more, you know, guys that, that you played with. I, I think of Bob Gibson. I think of Steve Carlton. I mean, we need more Bob Gibsons in this game. It can, I can't stand starters only going five. Well, I've answered that question quite a bit because I caught Gibson. I caught Carlton for so many years. And just, you know, as an example with Bob Gibson, um, he had 34 starts in 1968. He had 28 complete games and 34 starts. <laughs> they don't have 28 complete games in leagues nowadays. 
but uh, Bob, who is not doing real well right now, and we certainly wish him well. He's back at home in, in Omaha. He's had cancer <clears throat> for several years. And, uh, and if anybody can beat it, he will. Guaranteed. If it can be done, he'll do it. No doubt. And what a great pitcher. What a great duo you guys were. Tim, thank you so much for taking the time. Enjoy the World Series, and we'd love to chat again soon. You're great, Chris. I'd, I'd love to. I'll do that anytime you want. Thank you. From one legend to another, Scrap Iron, Phil Gardner, came up with the A's, got to see the, as a young guy, got to see a bunch of world champions and then really put his mark as a leader of the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirate We Are Family team, and he's managed, managed the Astros to the World Series. Got a chance to check in with Phil on his farm in Texas. Here is Scrap Iron. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's one of our all-time favorites. What a great player he was. Uh, what a career that he had as a World Series champion. And then as a manager, Bob Melvin credits him for making him the manager that he is today. Scrap Iron joins us from the farm in Texas, Phil Garner. Phil, how have you been? I'm doing well, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Chris. So, I, I could use a little uh, strong arm, weak back, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to be in Houston next week with the uh, Raiders. Maybe I'll stop by and help you with the tractor. <laughs> I, uh, stay, stay a day, will you? I, I can really use the help. <laughs> well, I think about the Houston Astros. Of course, you manage the Astros. You got the Astros into the World Series. You don't live that far from Houston. And what a time it is for this organization as they've won a World Series and now they're the heavy favorite tomorrow starting against the Washington Nationals at home. Life is really good for the Astros these days well I, I have to say that i had sort of uh over the years kind of not uh i'm a great i love baseball when i'm playing it or i'm managing it coaching it i, I the game is a lot of fun but, but i kind of had lost interest as a fan and uh i'll tell you these guys have made it a lot of fun they are so much fun to watch and and i have to say and this was before this Last home run, but Altuve was the one that got me going back in when I first saw him play. I said, this guy's having so much fun, and he, he is, he's doing what you're supposed to do in baseball. It's a fun game to play. He is having a good time. <laughs> he is just delightful to watch. Yeah, and, and you know what's great about him, too, is it just goes to show in our game, it doesn't matter how big you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Uh, you can be any size and still be great in the game of baseball. Well, I, I, that's true, and you're certainly seeing that play out now. I, all these, you're seeing a lot of things on the internet that, between Altuve and, and Judge out of New York now, and they're absolutely hilarious. Right? You know, because the two of them are standing side by side. It's, it's you see the the extremes of the sport, and both guys are tremendous players, and both guys can win, and as we just saw. You know, when I think about your career, you got to come up and be around one of the great teams of all time. As you were around these guys that won the World Series in 73 and 74, you really got your, your big breakout in 75. But what was that like as a young player coming up and being around that greatness that was the Oakland A's? Yeah, it was hard. It was uh, we're tough. And, you know, back in those days, hazing was alive and well. And so when you're the rookie, you were the brunt of everything in those days. I have to say, though, it 
it made me feel like a part of the team. And uh, I, I wouldn't certainly have the experience to go back and do it any other way than it just happened. But those guys were uh, really special. And, I, you know, you see a lot of comparisons to teams in the past. But they win three World Series, and, and people just don't realize how tough that is. It's hard to win one World Series. It's, it's almost impossible to win two in a row. But when you win three, that's, that's pretty remarkable. So uh, my hat's off to those old guys. They were great players and, and great people. Well, and then you go on, and you get to play on another great team. When you think of the We Are Family Pittsburgh Pirates, what a special time that was. And I really re- that, that's like really the first team that I remember as a kid. I grew up in San Diego, and you guys would come to town, and, you know, the Pirates, you guys were such a big deal. Take us through that time, the We Are Family Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, you, you, you know, you went through – the Oakland A's, which you couldn't, they call them the swinging A's, and uh, some other people had a, a little different besides swinging on that uh, adjective <laughs> in front of the A's. And, but, you know, they, they were a bunch of tough guys. And somebody had at one time said if you throw a dollar at home plate, the Oakland A's would kill each other trying to get it. And there was a lot to that. I, I don't think that you, you know, that you would never – Describe the Oakland A's as family. They were great players, and they knew how to how to come together and to play games, how to win. I wouldn't say that they were exactly close knit as an entire group. Actually, some enterprising reporter at one time said there were 14 fights that the A's were involved in, and that was just among themselves. That didn't include <laughs> uh, the other teams, you know. And I think Billy North was in about 12 of those somehow. You didn't see that with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, and, of course, there was a major reason reason for that is I was the fiery one in the group, Tim Foley and myself. And we were always liking to pick fights, but there's no way I want to pick a fight with six foot five Dave Parker, six foot six, 275 pound Jim Bibby, six foot four Willie Stargell, John Candelaria, six foot seven. So, you know, these, these guys are my bodyguard. They're backing me up. So I wasn't whooping. When our team wanted to fight among ourselves, there were too many bad guys on there. We wanted to fight the other guys. So I, I think the, the uh, uh, moniker that was that we had, We Are Family, was pretty good. And it's interesting because we had guys from, uh, as, as typical with a lot of baseball teams, we had, you know, a couple of, we had Panamanian, uh, uh, our center fielder, uh, Omar Marino from Panama, Fanny Sanguin from Panama. Uh, we had guys from the uh, nice neighborhoods, middle-class neighborhoods, to the poor neighborhoods, both black and white, uh, you know, on the team. So we had we had all walks of life and different cultures in the clubhouse, but we were a close-knit group. So we, our family, was was a good uh, way to describe those Pittsburgh Pirates. And and as good as we were, we only won one World Series. And when you compare it to the Oakland A's, that uh, we came up a little bit short. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, it's tough to win three in a row, and only the Yankees and the A's have done it, so it's a very tough feat. And, you know, the Astros, having just won in 17, if you win again in 19, such a big deal. And and just talk about, you're not too far away from Houston, but just, I, I, know, I know Texas is all about football, but right now it's just beautiful to see how much in the great state of tax, Texas everybody is loving baseball. Well, I... I, listen, nobody can deny that that when you go to a Saturday night uh, football game and you get into the playoffs with high school football on Friday night, and there can be 25,000 and up at a high school football game, that's, you know, it's a pretty good football stone. 
the Astros have made this a baseball community. And I, when I was managing the Astros and we, we got to the World Series, uh, to this day, I get people that will recognize me and totally flattered by it. And they will say, you know, you brought our families together. Our kids were off to college. They all came home. We watched the World Series. We had a great time. We communicated. It was a wonderful time. And, and the same thing's happening now, except this has been a not just a one-year run. This has been a three-year three year going on four-year run now. These guys are great players. They're fun to watch. Always the playoffs World Series are, are great times. But these guys are fun to watch during the season, too. And, and uh, so I, I think they've made, made this a baseball town, baseball area, not just the Houston area. The baseball, I mean, it, this goes out beyond the, the radio radius. It, it does encompass a lot of people that are many hours away from Houston that have become fans. Yeah, I think about Bob Melvin, a three-time manager of the year, and I and you know exactly, having been out here not too long ago, you know exactly what he means to this franchise and to this fan base. What was it that you saw in Bob Melvin that you went, you know what, this guy's going to manage someday? Well, for, first off, you know, you, you have to be a student of the game as you're, when you're a player. There's a lot of games that play, a lot of guys that play the game, and, and a lot of the game can come naturally to them. But the guys that have to struggle and have to figure out a way to fit and figure out a way to, to stay on teams – are usually the guys that learn the nuances of the sport. They 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 learn. Well, you know, you got to be able to pitch. You got to be able to hit. And how do pitchers pitch to get people out? How do people hit? How do you move runners? How do you how do you get things going? And that's one thing. Second thing is catchers generally are guys that make pretty good managers because they have to know how to manage a pitching staff. If they're worth their weight at all, they they've learned how to manage a pitching. And then the, the third and final part of that story is you have to have the right mental makeup. And it, what I saw in Bob the first time was that I am not a detailed or, or any guy. I'm pretty good with the big picture, and, and I'm, I can have fun with the press and everything else. But I, am, I, don't, I don't like to keep my nose to the grindstone and the details. And, and Bob is a very detailed guy. So I, I recall the first day we had spring training and we'd spent – um, a few weeks with Bob, but he was going to be running spring training for me, and he was going to be uh, uh, making sure all the schedule was was to go exactly on time. And the first day of spring training, after about 45 minutes into it, and we'd had three rotations, he came up to me and he's sweating, and I'm sitting there smiling, enjoying myself. And he's just, <laughs> I don't know how you do it. This is driving me crazy. I said, that's exactly right. You are the one under all the strings. Thank you. I can see everybody. I can enjoy what they're doing. I can see where we need to improve. That's where Bob helped me originally. So I knew he was going to go on to, to be able to handle a ball club and do the right things. And I, as great as there have been a couple of managers this year that you can, you can uh, put in that mix for the uh, manager of the year award, but none of them are any better than Bob Melvin. That's a fact. Well, I'll be there on Saturday to help you at the ranch. I'll be ready to go. I'll, I'll bring my work, my work, <laughs> I'll bring my tool belt, and we'll, we'll, we'll get that barn up. Uh, listen, you don't need the tool belt, baby. You're going to be lifting stuff. You're going to be working. There are blisters on those hands. <laughs> There's no blisters on these hands. I may, I may not be very good for you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'm actually going to be at the football game on Saturday, so uh, or Sunday, rather. So 
We may run into each other. I'll look for you. Hey, it's always an honor to have you on the program. Good luck to you and your wife on the farm, right. and hopefully we'll see you on Sunday. All right. Very good, Chris. See you on. Ah, I love it. Back-to-back legends and Tim McCarver and Phil Garner. Now a chance for our guy, Scott Emerson. We all love Emo, and you know, if you listen to me enough, I talk about this guy someday will be in broadcasting. But he, no doubt, is one of the best pitching coaches in all of baseball. What does he do in the offseason? What does he do with his players? How does he keep in contact with them? Here is my conversation with Emo. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he is the outstanding pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics. Scott Emerson is with us here on A's Cast Live. Emo, how are you? Oh, things are going good. How are you guys doing? Well, we miss you. You know, it's weird. Like, all of a sudden, you see people every single day, and then you vanish for uh, a few months before we see it spring training. So how's the offseason going for you? Well, off season's going pretty good. Just uh, you know, doing some some baseball stuff here and there, and uh, getting reacquainted with the wife and dog, and uh, my terrible golf game. Yeah, I think it's it's funny. It's like all of a sudden now we have all this time on our hands. It's like, what do I do for the next X amount of months? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, but you know, the one thing I like to do is uh, I consider myself a baseball rat, so I'm I'm trying to. to uh, re-educate myself on all the new technologies and seeing if there's anything else out there that's better. Uh, trying to still watch video of guys pitching. I take a guy here and there every day and just break him down and uh, put it on paper and some thoughts that uh, I might have for next year on this, on the, on our pitchers and maybe even look at some opposing hitters and uh, just take the day and, and nice, easy baseball days. So when I think about the postseason, some people don't want to watch it. Some people want to watch every minute of it. Where are you when it comes to watching postseason games, especially now since we're in the World Series? Uh, You you know, the crazy thing is that, you know, I'm on the East Coast. I live on the East Coast, and uh, these games are on so late. You know, they come on at 8 o'clock Eastern time, and and they don't end till midnight. But I watched most of the game, but I, I, I won't. I will say I did flip over to the uh, Lakers Clippers game every now and then. I had to get my basketball fill, so I'm a big basketball fan. Uh, in the off season, I, I try to watch as many uh, ACC basketball games and NBA games. Yeah, kind of. Kind of it, it's it, it'll be very interesting this year to watch the Clippers take over Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean. Uh, and they, they played without Paul George last night. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's you know, I I saw where um, I think one of the players for the Clippers was at the Dodgers game, and he got booed. It's definitely a Lakers town. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, one thing that I, I've noticed this postseason, because it just, to me, it's a tired act when people try and act like starting pitching is doesn't mean as much. Uh, starting pitching is a huge deal, and we're seeing the two teams in the World Series. They are the two teams that pitch the most innings in the postseason. You got a bunch of great starters in this World Series, but I think people now in the game are starting to understand you got to have starting pitching. If you don't have you don't have starting pitching, boy, it's going to be rough sledding. Well, you know, and these two teams have got really good starting pitching, and you noticed last night uh, Corbin came in and pitched. 
even in last year's World Series, you know, there was a lot of starter and pitching that came out of the bullpen. Generally, you know, the one thing about your starting pitchers is one is they throw more pitches than your relievers and they have the ability to flip lineups. So anytime you can get guys that, um, you know, can flip lineups two and three times, that's always a plus. And I think about what you said, these guys coming out of the bullpen right now, you know, during the regular season, we talk so much about bullpens, but all of a sudden here we get down to the most important outs of the season. As you said, bringing in starters in relief. I love watching it. Well, you know, uh, if, uh, if, you know, there's a fine line, you know, I always talk about, you know, relievers aren't starters because of certain different variables. You know, a reliever might not be a starter because of, you know, the, the condition of his arm, uh, previous health issues with his arm, and therefore you, you make them a reliever and, uh, you know, you get short, quick burst innings out of them. Um, so, you know, there's a fine line. You definitely want to have your best pitchers in game, especially in the World Series. Last night I was texting with one of our pitching coaches and he was like, how many how many pitches are you going to let Serger throw? And I said, 140. I mean, whenever he tells me he's done, you know, I mean, this is one of the best pitchers in the game. This is the World Series. This isn't the first game of the season. And if my best pitchers on my staff tell me they're good to go, then I'm going to pitch them. Yeah, no doubt about it. You got to rip the ball out of his hands. And, you know, he didn't get off to a good start. But And we've actually seen this multiple times. I think about the Yankee game in game five where Verlander didn't win. But the fact that he went seven innings in that game really helped them in game six because they didn't have to bury their bullpen in game five. Verlander swallowed the inning. So even though they lost, that was a big start for Houston. Yeah, I mean, anytime your starters can – I mean, look at Garrett Cole last night. What did he go, seven innings and gave up five? And they didn't have to chew up much of their bullpen in a loss. So, in tonight's game, they're going to go out and, and they know they got the next day off. So, they can use as many guys as they need to with the off day tomorrow. And that that's the luxury of having good starters that, you know, they're going to give you seven innings. Uh, you know what you're going to get out of them. And those are the guys that, uh, when you're looking for starting pitching, are the guys that you're looking for, are guys that you know what you're getting out of them every time they take the mound. And hopefully that's seven innings. You know, I know most starters average five and a third, five and two thirds, but the game is changing to to where, uh, you know, third time through, uh, the numbers are starting to to, to to swing towards the hitter. So that's important too. But if that's the case, then multiple inning pitchers will become important. Yes, and if that rule actually is instituted that you're going to have to face at least three guys, you're going to need – it's like the bridge guy that gets to the bridge guy that gets to the closer will become far more important as about 42% of all innings pitched this year were by bullpens. But I think that's kind of going to get flipped once you have this new rule, if it is implemented. How do you feel about that rule that if you bring a guy in, he's got to face at least three guys? Well, you know, me personally, I mean, we're changing the game too much. The game is great the way it's been. Let the strategy of the game play out. Um, You know, everybody's talking about, you know, records. And uh, if records are the case and you're making now pitchers throw to three hitters, you're altering the record books again 
in a different way. You know, my suggestion one time was like, if you don't like the, the how long the game takes, play seven innings. And then uh, the people I was talking to was were complaining about, well, then the record books, guys won't get as many at-bats, guys won't get as many innings pitched. But in my opinion, we're not playing for the record books. You know, I'm playing to win a World Series, period. You know, it, it's a team game. Uh, let's get back to it being a team game. If you got to move runners over, you move runners over. But I understand it from a player's perspective that that's how they're getting paid nowadays. They're not getting really paid to move a guy over. You know, scoring position nowadays is a runner on first or even you in the batter's box. So, you know, the, the whole the pitcher has to face three hitters it doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's it's altering the style of the game. Do you see? It, it, Go ahead. I was going to say. It, well, if you can alter the style one way and make a pitcher face three hitters, you can alter the game and and uh, just play seven. You're going to get it over with in hopefully two and a half or two twenty. Uh, it might make your might make teams use starting pitchers a little bit more. Um, you know, let the guy go a complete game like these guys used to do uh, 50 years ago. I, you know, these are just rambling thoughts. You know, I, I love the game the way the game is. I, I love the human element uh, of the game. I don't, you know, replay. I, I, I don't mind replay, but, I mean, you know, you, let's get every call right. Let's just don't say, well, you get to look at one call, and if you lose, you lose your challenge. That doesn't make sense to me either. If we're going to replay, replay all the all the calls, you know, and and get every call right. Scott Emerson, pitching coach for the Oakland Athletics, joining us here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. And I, I remember you talking about last year where you, you wanted the mindset of your staff to, hey, when we call on you, be ready to go. And that really is, ha, has stayed with me. And it makes me think that, if you don't have a Cole or a Verlander or a Scherzer, that maybe someday in baseball we'll have, like, positionless staffs. You won't be called a starter. You won't be called a reliever. You won't be called a closer. You're just going to be called a guy. When you when we call on you, we want you to go out there and give us as much as you can. Could you see a staff being built like that? Well, Tony, it's funny that you say that, but we, we do have that. It, it's called travel ball in high school and college and junior college. When, when these teams want to win big games and your number one pitcher uh, is available to pitch, he pitches in that big game. You know, uh, you know, I, I know the, uh, the Rays get credit for having the opener start and all this stuff, but these are ideas that the Oakland athletics organization had for years. We just didn't implement some of this stuff uh uh, until the Rays actually did it, and then we implemented it some in 18. But we had these ideas going around in 16, and we got some other ideas going around. But, you know, I can see, you know, one game is important. You know, if you, if you, you know, don't get out of the gate, and, you know, luckily for the uh, Nationals this year, they were 19 and 31, I believe that was the call, and they they had a great year after that. They picked it up, but sometimes that's a knockout punch. You know, you look at some of these teams; they're 19 and 31, and after 50 games, and and they're out of it. So we got to find ways, uh, teams, in my opinion, to stay in the in the race as long as possible. And if that means using pitchers in a different type of way, in a different type of role, I'm all for it. 
you know, I like to be creative. I know our organization, in my opinion, is one of the greatest created orga- creative organizations in baseball. You just, you also have to find, you know, sometimes it's, it hasn't been done yet. So you want to kind of see where it's going and trial and error, but sometimes you don't have time for trial and error, but I, I, I could definitely see, you know, more pitchers being able to throw more innings uh, rather than a one or two inning specialist. Why can't we have more starter type pitchers on your roster and being a little bit more flexible in who's pitching? You know, the last two years, you and Bob Melvin have just done an unbelievable job piecing this thing together. And then, of course, the front office making some trades to help you out down the stretch. But next year, my God, going into spring training, you look at all the different quality arms you're going to have, and they're going to be healthy. And there's going to be an absolute dogfight to be one of the five guys in the rotation. When you're sitting at home thinking about it, you've got to be salivating right now, thinking about that not only the rotation that you'll have in the big leagues, but then the rotation Fran Reardon will have down in Las Vegas. That's going to be super competitive. You know, uh, our, our organization has been great about depth, you know, and and uh, I know we talked kind of about the next guy up. You know, uh, Frankie Montas had his issues this year. You know, we had guys that just stepped up after that. We really started pitching really good. Uh, I, you know, right around that time, we needed guys to step up. You know, I think Frankie uh, showed a lot of fight early. I thought Chris Bassett, when he came up, that he showed a lot of fight for us. Uh, and he did a tremendous job, by the way, of uh, having that little split roll every now and then where he could start in relief. But you're right, you know, Lizardo coming up, pitching out of that bullpen, and, and A.J. Puck. And then uh, Sean Manaya coming uh, coming in healthy. Fires does his normal stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's it's awesome to look for the future. Uh, you know, unfortunately the game's not played on paper. We got to go out there and uh, you know be a, be our warrior mentality and, and pitch one game at a time attitude. But I'm looking forward to it for sure. You know, I got a feeling after winning 97 games two straight years. Once this World Series ends. And I know everybody's going to be really excited about the A's chances. I, I, do you get the sense this is going to be a very quick offseason and we're going to be at sp- spring training before you know it? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the guys, you know, uh, you know, when you make the playoffs, and, and you know, unfortunately for us, we, we, we took, it, uh, took it on the chin two, two years in a row, but the guys get hungry, and they get hungry. And once you start tasting it, and it starts tasting good, you want more of it. So I, I think the guys are going to come in hungry, hungrier than they've ever been. And, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, the wild card game was a really good goal for us. Uh, I think, you know, last year that was our goal. You know, let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs. But I think now we we got to start prioritizing. Let's win the division. You know, we we proved uh, later in the year that we were good enough to to beat the Astros some, which they're a great team, man. They're 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 unbelievable. They they do it all, in my opinion. But I think we can do it all too. We just you know, with our young pitching that you're talking about, it's time for us to really set the bar at winning the division rather than making the playoffs. Yeah, winning the World Series. Why not? Well, yeah, why not? I mean. Well, I'm just saying that's our sure, that's our first goal. We we'll get to the division, win the division, um, and and then we'll then we'll move on from there. But 
the division right now, I think we got the pieces in place, the players in place, the attitude in place, uh, skipper Bob Melvin, in, you know, the best skipper in baseball, in my opinion, in place. And he sets the, the tone in spring training, which is a great tone. And we'll just, we'll just go after it. And like you said, yeah, let's win the world series. Uh, but let's, let's get past the Astros on that division title. So we, so we can host some more home games at Oakland. So in the off season, how much will you stay in contact with, with your guys? Like how much do you want to talk to them to see how they're doing, what they're doing, when they start throwing, you know, we just talked to Liam Hendricks recently and he, he's going to start throwing again soon. So how much contact do you have with these guys in the off season? Well, I got a good amount of contact, you know, uh, uh, once every once a week, once every two weeks, I'm texting guys. I'm keeping them up to date of when uh, when the throwing program. You know, we set up a throwing program for the guys. We it's a guideline. You know, a lot of guys, especially in the major leagues, and they've been around a long time and they've been with other organizations. They know what they got to do to be ready for uh, spring training. But it's it's my job and and Nick Paparesta, our head athletic trainer, and Josh Cuffey, our head strength and conditioning coach. You know, we're calling guys about the arm care, about strength and conditioning, and about the throwing program. And we're blending in all three programs. And um, if the guys do something a little bit different or they want something different, then, then we go on for there, uh, from there. You know, it's, it's like, in my opinion, I, I, I have, you know, if we got 20 pitchers, I got 20 different corporations I'm working for. Yeah, you know, I handle 20, 20 pitchers differently. So some guys uh, like to really uh, extend themselves with long toss. Some guys like to be a little bit shorter. But uh, so I'm just trying to to listen to them and then have them listen back and, and we formulate the good game plan in the off season. So I, I'm I'm in good contact with with most of the guys. Hey, it's great hearing from you. We miss you. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a quick off season, but uh, we're going to be calling you during this off season and to get some details about your pitchers, and we'll see what happens down at the winter meetings. And the number one thing, just hit them straight, man. You got to hit fairways if you're going to make birdies and make pars. You got to hit fairways. Well, you know, it's a, I had a great conversation with my brother. Who my brother runs seven golf courses in North Scottsdale, and and we talk about scoring and you're right. You know, the reason why I'm not a good golfer is because my approach shots, I got 30 foot putts. You know, I, I can't, you're not going to be a good golfer when you two and three putt in every hole, you know what I'm saying? So I got to get that approach shot a little bit closer to the stick and make some putts. Well, as long as I got a golf cart and I got beer, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. I'm trying to quit on the beer a little bit. I got to get this, uh, I got to improve this body a little bit. I know rounds a, a, a shape, but I, I got to improve this before I turn 50 in three years. <laughs> Emo, you're the best. We'll be in contact. All right. Sounds good. So coming up here soon, we're going to go over all the technology that's going on with pitching and he's going to take us through it. So uh, we'll let you know when that's going to happen on A's cast live. And of course we'll replay it here on A's unfiltered and it'll be a situation to where, if you're a pitcher or if you know a young pitcher, you're going to want to really tune into this because uh, we're going to break it down because there's a lot of different things going on with the evolution of pitching. And last but not least, the host of MLB Now and one of the hosts for MLB Network, one of the smartest guys in the game, so passionate. You see him of the, the, 
the MC of the Baseball Hall of Fame, nobody better than Brian Kinney. Here is BK. Brian Kinney is the host of MLB Now. He's also one of the great hosts on uh, the MLB Network, all his great years of doing boxing. Brian, it's always an honor to have you on the program. Welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Excellent, Chris. Good to be with you. I was just talking about, and I know we got a long way to go, but if this ain't, this thing ends quick, it's going to kind of remind me of the A's and Reds in 1990 because the A's were such big favorites. How shocked are you right now that the Astros are down 0-2? Well, yeah, I, I don't think you can minimize it. I mean, you know it's a quality team. You know it's possible uh, as soon as they beat uh, – you know, beat the Brewers in the wild card and survive that game. You knew they had the, you know, the rotation and the top of the lineup you know, to give the Dodgers problems. Yet I would have favored and I did favor the Dodgers. And even knowing all that, that this is a, a again, it's a dynamic offense with, uh, again, frontline starting pitching that is all coming together. I still favored the Astros. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a surprise. Look, it, you know, one game just changes everything so dramatically Game one, I got the sense the Astros were, were going to win the whole game. I mean, you had that sense, even when they were trailing, they were going to come from behind. But they didn't. And then it was 2-2 in the seventh yesterday, and then it's blowout city. So it's easy to, you know, to say, hey, no, the Nationals are a quality club. They've won 93 games, even with that bad start. And yet, no, we, this is quite a surprise to see them, after being so snake bit for so long, now be in the driver's seat. Oh, yeah, and you know how much we got to deal with the Astros, and I'm with you. I thought after the Astros got on the board early in game one, you're like, oh, this thing's going to be over. But, you know, we want to quantify everything in this game. And, and, of course, with the A's, we do that. But there's something about magic. There's something about chemistry. There's something about these guys having fun. I mean, when you're looking at Eaton and Kendrick driving the car and, and on the bench, and these guys, I mean, they look like they look like they're having a blast, and it looks miserable over in the Astros' dugout. Yeah, but, you know, it, it felt that way last week. Like the Yankees looked all uptight, and the Astros were loose, even though they got down one zip. And you remember, it could have easily been two zip Yankees. They lost an extra innings. So they could have been going to Yankee Stadium down two zip, but they didn't. So things change. And uh, I'll say this about like, you know, the clubhouse chemistry thing, which is, you know, always like, you know, at the forefront of every media conversation in baseball history. I'll say this, the Nationals Club was a team that was notoriously uptight through the years. You know, they lost four times at the division series. They did look miserable. Even I have to admit that. And that is not the way this club is now. So uh, even I have to grant you that they do look looser. They do look like they respond to adversity much better. Um, it's not life or death, and you're always better when you fight, when you don't, even if your life is on the line, when you think it's not. Yeah, we had Chip Hale, our good friend Chip, who obviously was with the A's, and we had him on recently, and he talked about how they were feeling a little like they were feeling a little tight in that clinching game in the NLCS, so they threw up. He said they threw up par just to hit, so they could play the Baby Shark song to get everybody from be, <laughs> make everybody loose in the stadium. I mean, it's amazing how little things can affect, and uh, we're, we're rooting for a lot of the uh, XAs there. And I'm thinking about you know because we talk so much about 
bullpens and bullpenning and 42% of all innings this year pitched by bullpens. But here the Nationals are their starters, and I'm looking at your guys' notes from the NLB Network. 8-1 and one with a 2.23 ERA in 12 games. The National starters, Brian, they've been fabulous. Well, it's never been a shock, again, through the history of baseball, that the way to win is through your an outstanding starting rotation. My point has always been it's very expensive. It's hard, it's hard to put that all together. And in this day and age, you know, there's no salary cap, but there is a luxury tax threshold. So you've got to be careful about what you're spending. So, yeah, it's pricey, but they chose to reinvest, uh, you know, out, reallocate their resources from Bryce Harper uh, to a very young outfield that was emerging and then putting their big money into Patrick Corbin. And it really worked beautifully in the regular season. So there's a lot of ways of doing it. And, yeah, this is really bucking the trend that we've not only seen, you know, one side, both sides. I mean, these are uh, – I did an essay for MLB Now the other day, really matching up like the all-time great rotations in World Series history. And I think we'll look back someday and look at this like we look at, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not quite the 69, you know, Mets and Orioles, but maybe like the, uh, the Orioles and the Dodgers. Uh, in the in the mid '60s, or the Twins and uh, and the Dodgers in the mid '60s, this is an all-time great starting pitcher clash. Well, I think about MLB now, as you say, the show for the thinking fan, and you guys are going to be in D.C. and you're going to be airing live coverage before and after every World Series game. And I love when you do MLB now at this time of the year when you're on the field and you got all those guests. But you got to be honored that you guys put on a baseball show on television like we have never seen before, just for you personally, professionally, and the guys around you. How much do you just love doing that show every day? Oh, I really do. And that's nice of you to say, because I hope it is appreciated out there because, you know, I've been in this business ooh, 35 years now, I guess. And um, we, we do a show that, you know, we try to cultivate an intelligent audience and uh, not just, you know, blather on out there and try to come up with interesting topics and try to dig deeper beneath the surface. And, uh, you know, baseball allows you to do that because it is so, uh, it is so, I wouldn't say reliant on, but it, it, it can be so driven by data and logic and facts, and yet you do then have to relate it to the physical real world. And I think that's what's exciting in baseball now, that it's the players that are driving this analytic revolution now. It's very baseball-y, and they're using the information as weapons out there. And yet I think it's always fascinating to think about, like, well, this guy looks valuable. How valuable is he? What is the best way to put together a team? Um, what is, you know, like with the Nationals, is a new market inefficiency, um, high, you know, assigning 35-year-old, 34-year-old players to two-year contracts, putting them to good money and not, like, discarding them. That's what kind of uh, Mike Rizzo of the Nationals has done. So, yeah, there's a lot of fascinating ways of doing it, and we do get to explore that in depth on the show for an hour every day. And to your point, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be surrounded by such good people, so many good people, to have our, our research staff with us and really dig into what we think is fascinating about baseball. Oh, yeah, we steal from your show all the time. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm flattered. Yeah, Excellent. no no, no doubt, no doubt. It's it's my favorite show. It's sad to say, but it is my favorite show. I'm a baseball dork, so it is my favorite show. So, you know, when I start thinking about what – 
the Astros have to do to get back into this? Like, if you look into this and whatever you've looked, whatever metric, whatever, what has to happen with the – I mean, I know they're, they're horrible with runners in scoring position ever since game one of, of the ALCS hitting 127. What has to happen to get them back into this thing? No, I mean, you just have to play. These things are flukish. It's funny. As we, you know, at the network, we do nothing but baseball all day long. And all through the season, if you pay attention to it, you'll see, you know, teams change in their energy and how well they're playing and how dominant they look or how awful they look in a half week, like series to series. If you really chart it and if like, you know, I'm sure like, you know, A's fans can look at it and say there, there are uh, half weeks that go by series that go by where it's like, wow, the A's can beat anybody. Wow. They just crushed the Astros. Wow. They match up with the Yankees. You don't want to play the A's. And then the following week, they just look lousy. So in any half week, a team can look completely different. So Zach Greinke is pitching tomorrow. You know, actually, I thought he had a very good start against the Yankees. He had to struggle. It was kind of tough, raw weather. I was out at that game at Yankee Stadium, and he was constantly in trouble, and yet he only allowed one run. You have to allow Greinke to pitch his game, and then the rest of the offense just has to be, you know, as disciplined at the plate as they were. I mean, that's the one thing that can change is if you go out thinking you're down 2-0 and your back is against the wall, well, you're in trouble. If you can go out and just play loose and say, we need to take two out of three against the Nationals, well, the Astros should be able to take two out of three against anybody. I was asked this question, and because Juan Soto's going to turn just 21 on Friday, I was asked if you could draft anybody Number one pick in baseball right now, long term. You know, you got Acuna Jr. You got all these, all this great young talent in our game. Who would be the guy you'd take number one? Well, it depends on where you would put the cutoff for age. I know I've thought about that. Like, if you know, in a normal sense, I think I would go Trout, Judge, Bregman. Now, if you're saying I've got to go younger, then I'd have to really rethink it and see who, see what my options are. It would be close, uh, but I know, I know what you're saying. It's the plate discipline of Soto that separates him. Uh, Acuna is a better fielder, more explosive player. But, yeah, 21 years old with a 400 on base, 540 slugging or whatever he has lifetime, to get 10 years of that, it's really it would be tough to top that. And then everybody we know at the Astros saying we've never seen a left-handed hitter ever hit it up on the train track. I mean, when he did that, it was like, wow, this this guy has great power. Before we let you go, just got to ask you one A's question because we had uh, the COO of the A's on yesterday, and, and we were both laughing going, we never want to see another wild card game. What do you think has to happen for the A's to, to have that mindset, to be able to win that wild card game and, and have that kind of mental toughness that we're seeing with the Nationals? Nothing. There's, not, there's no magic anything. And this is, a, I think, a lesson for your people out there. The Nationals, like, they lost almost tragically four straight times, right? I mean, in the division series, they could not win. And they lost, like, they lost that game in 18 innings one time uh, in 2014. And then, like, uh, they had that bullpen disaster in 2016. 2017, remember, they had that disastrous inning when Max Scherzer came on in relief. And that was against the Cubs. And it, like, so they had these, when you line them up, the Nationals have had these disastrous losses one after another. And they've won more games than really anybody over the last like seven, eight years, except maybe the Dodgers. And yet they couldn't even win a series. So there's, and now they can't lose. 
So there's nothing magical to it. Um, you know, maybe you do uh, go after a few more veteran players to top off your roster. But the year that the A's lost to the Royals, you know, it's, it is just a crapshoot. That, that A's team was tremendous that year. They just lost, you know, they lost that game. So I don't think there's anything. You try to put together, like people were asking me, hey, what should the Yankees do now that they've lost? Get better. Is, yeah, just try to get better. You, you roll the dice when you get into the postseason. You try to put off, you know, finish off your roster, put on the finishing touches. But the A's do that every year uh, with what they spend anyway. So there's nothing magical. You try to build the best team possible. Our first World Series game in Washington, D.C. in 86 years. It's unbelievable. Brian, enjoy the rest of the series. We always appreciate your time. You know how much we love your shows, whether it's MLB Now or when you're hosting uh, on MLB Network. Thank you for the time, and and enjoy the rest of uh, this World Series. All right, my pleasure. Great talking to you again. Take care. Well, we hope you enjoyed it, and I know I did, interviewing all these guys, Tim McCarver, Phil Garner, Scott Emerson, and the great Brian Kenny. Thank you for listening to A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.